This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach and an author. And the full title of my new book is Find Your Happy at Work, 50 Ways to Get Unstuck, Move Past Boredom, and Discover Fulfillment. In that book, I talk about why time and nature can reduce anxiety, promote your well-being, and spark creativity. But I'm not an expert on the topic of connecting with the natural world. However, our guest today is... Danny Twilley is passionate about the value of outdoor activity, and he's built a career on it. Danny is an assistant dean at West Virginia University, and his focus is outdoor economic development. He'll explain why it's so important for all of us to spend time outside. He'll describe how outdoor recreation is becoming a growing business, and he'll talk about how connecting with nature can support your career. You have an amazing, interesting career. I, I know your PhD is in education, but what amazes me is how you've created a fascinating career about being outdoors and leisure life and, and supporting well-being. Could you tell us about your career path, how, how you took a passion and, and turned it into an amazing career? Yeah, um, thank you so much um, for that question. And so, you know, for me, I, I really always fat followed what I loved. Um, and there was times where I questioned uh, exactly what I wanted to do in practice. Um, but I always kept going back to center, to my center of what really drove me, what made a difference in, in my life. And really two things um, were paramount in that, in, in my journey, was my education, or education and recreation. They transformed me into who I am today. And so I've been very blessed to be able to bring those together. And so, you know, I grew up um, like a lot of, you know, potential youth today playing traditional sports. Um, but there was a period of time where, you know, I, I, I stopped engaging in that. I, I did grow up on the East Coast, not far from the ocean. So I did spend some time, you know, surfing. And, and that was really kind of the first um, experience where I really got connected to nature and the power of nature and the beauty of, of, of a sunrise and the sunset and, you know, like hurricanes and uh, and what they kind of can do that type of power. And so I used that as a catapult to travel for a little bit. And I just kept on um, uh, following that journey. And I, I had a couple of really great mentors that that encouraged me. My parents were super um, supportive as well. And I'll give you a, a real example. One of the first major trips I did was after college, um, I was... I wanted to through hike the AT and one of my faculty members said to me, said, you know, Danny, make sure you do it as soon as you can after you graduate, because life can get in the way of those big dreams. 
And I owe him the world because I kind of followed that yes. for a while. Um, and so I was able to do a lot of big trips and, and travel and it just kept you know, going and, and kind of propelling itself. Well, I ultimately came to a point of where I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, kind of career wise. I was thinking about grad school and I was exploring things like, you know, architecture and, you know, physician's assistant and nursing and things like that. But it just didn't fuel the fire. And so I kind of took a chance and said, well, you know, I'm going to follow what I love and I'm going to follow what I believe makes a difference in the world. And I think when education and recreation um, truly can transform the world um, and they've done it over and over and over again. And so for me, that kind of propelled me into grad school, um, Ohio University. Really, they took a great chance on me um, and that university, I received two degrees from that institution, and I have a deep love for the opportunities that they gave me. And so I, I became a faculty member, often built off of my mentors, and and um, and then I just kept on following that. And I tried to teach my students, and I try to live it. As you say yes to the opportunities, I think back on the best moments of my career, or my journey weren't really things that I planned. Um, it was things that, you know, the moment was there, um, a request for a meeting or to, to take advantage of a, a trip. And I would say yes. And in doing so, those became the most um, monumental and impactful moments for me, um, personally and professionally. Well, you... You were way ahead of the curve when you chose to to follow your passion and turn it into a career. It wasn't the case really all that long ago, but now there's lots and lots of research I know that that says being outdoors can can support well being and can even make us happier and more successful at work. Uh, I know just in. Intuitively, we know we feel better if we get to play outdoors. But can you tell us a, a little bit of, of the, the science, the research about how outdoor leisure is more likely to make us feel happy than maybe an indoor break, like you know, watching mm -hmm. your favorite sports on TV? What is it about being outdoor that really hits us? Yeah, and, and this is a really uh, great question. It's a complicated question, and, and I'll you know kind of break it down the, to the best that I that I can for you. Um, but what we know is that oftentimes leisure is broken down into several different categories. But two of the primary is what we call active and passive leisure. Um, and active leisure is exactly as it sounds. It's the things that we we do. And active can also be of our mind. It can be creating of art. Um, it can be creating of music. So it's not just the physical. Um, those types of leisure activities tend to have a much greater influence on our happiness and our well-being um, versus the passive leisure, you know, uh, like video games or watching TV. Um, now, we know video games are getting really, really complex and there's a big social aspect to it. Um, there's a creative aspect. So, you know, there's some emerging research in that space that's really kind of challenging the historic narrative. So, so you know, that's, that's emerging and we'll see what, what time uh, tells us on that one. But what we know is that, you know, first, 
a lot of times outdoor activities and outdoor recreation fits very well into what we would call active leisure. And when you do that, um, it also allows us to be in nature. There's tons and tons of research out there that tries to quantify how much time that you need to be in nature um, per day, per week. And really what we're, what we're seeing is if you can be outside for approximately 120 minutes um, a week, um, at at least increments of over 20 minutes, it can have statistically significant um, impacts on our happiness. Um, but what we also then know, and some of the research that I, I've done, um, with, particularly with college students, is when you take a look at some of the details of like the why, right? So we we broke apart um, kind of outdoor recreational activities versus what we consider more traditional recreation and leisure. And what we really found in the outdoors is that there was a significant amount of meaning associated with it. And so what do I mean? There's a sense of identity that's created when we participate in outdoor activities. There's roots in this literature in something called serious leisure, but it's this idea of I find uh, a defining of who I am, right? We might know people like this. It says, oh, I'm a hiker. Or I'm a kayaker. I'm a climber. Um, I, I like to bike. So there's meaning associated with that. And you create this sense of identity. And that's really prevalent in the outdoor rec community. I also think, too, um, there's a strong connection to affiliation. Okay, and what really that what that means is the people that we do it with. It's the social circles that we do. So you think about hiking groups and biking groups, or your friends, right? That you might only see when you get to bike with them on a Sunday morning, or hike with them, you know, at your your monthly hiking club. So there's this really strong connection with with the people that we do this with. And then the final one, um, which is kind of an anomaly for at least college students, is this idea of detachment and recovery. This is that idea of escape, right? I need to go and refresh and kind of, as we would say, recharge our batteries. But it makes a lot of sense for those students who would engage and people who engage in outdoor activities to really need that and value that in their outdoor recreation as that idea of getting away, because that's kind of what we all like to do um, when we go out uh, into the outdoors, whether it's for a hike or going kayaking or, or um, climbing or whatever we, we choose to do. Um, it is that a little bit of that escapism. It's important, I think, to be outdoors in terms of refreshing your creativity and all kinds of things. For, mm -hmm. It's important for people in the context of work. But I've also read that it's really important for children and that uh, kids who are out in the environment actually can change some of their characteristics to become more mm -hmm. generous, more empathetic and things like that. Is that um, a thing? And is, is, is that why you've been interested in, in outdoor activity for kids? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I give Richard Louvre in his um, in his book, Nature, um, he really defined this idea of nature deficit disorder. Right. And that was really kind of the the one that broke the door wide open. He built that off of a lot of previous research. But it was really like our kids are becoming 
detached from our natural environment. And he really looked at what the ripple effect of that was. And so that really kind of, you know, like no child left inside came out after that. And it was really this, this intentional effort of how do we get um, away from our screen driven lifestyle into a much more um, engaged and intentional experience with, with the outdoors. Um, and so what we what we tend to think about with kids is that when they they spend time outside together, it's often time it's in this creative and free play. So it's not con- constructed play, um, which means that there's a lot of creativity that comes out from it. Versus if we put kids in what we call traditional sports. It's a structured environment in terms of how they play, the general rules, the guidance. They play on a field. When you allow kids to play outside, it creates creative play and creative thinking because they have to, you know, contrive and develop the experience. And they oftentimes do that with with their friends. Um, It goes back to you can learn more about a person in an hour of play than a lifetime of conversation. And that is this, the work of kids is play. I mean, that's how they learn. And so when we put them in the natural environment, they have the same type of mental well-being, um, but it also then adds in that creativity to, to their world and to their life. And, um, you know, that if we can connect kids early on to the outdoors, it also gives them a sense of place and it allows them to, you know, conserve and want to protect the environment. And there's a long, long history of literature that talks about, you know, um, place attachment. So I'll stop there. I think I got you. I think I got Well, it's really important. It's important stuff. And I think um, there's a growing awareness of it. Years ago, I was on the board that supports Shenandoah National Park. Mm -hmm. And at the time, we were really worried because people just were not coming to the park. It's 80 miles from... DC, um, the entrance that's close to where our farmhouse mm-hmm. is, and um, the the parking lot was often pretty empty. Now that has totally changed. There's parking lot is um, just mm. not nearly big enough for all the people who want to come, and the park is having to limit how many people can hike on some of the major trails. So there has yeah. been a huge change of awareness, and that change in awareness and the importance maybe relates to the the things that you're doing now. You have um, turned this into um, a, a new career phase, it, it uh, sounds like. Would you tell us about what you're doing in West Virginia and about the Smith Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative? It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, well, well, thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. So, you know, the whole idea was we were seeing these these kind of trends that you were talking about of um, people being driven towards outdoor and experience driven lifestyles. I mean, the, whether it's the Brookings Institute or others have been studying this phenomenon of where people are moving to. So where are people moving in and why? And what they kept going back to is that people are moving for experience-driven lifestyle. You've got people who are graduating college or young and family, young with young families who tend not to have time and money, are out spending baby boomers on things like travel, activity, and sports because they're 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 they want experience. And so when you look at population data. 
you can see that you know um, over since the last census um, was Utah saw a greater you know uh, increase in population. Colorado, um, you see places like Northwest Arkansas really growing. Um, where West Virginia, we've had the greatest population loss um, uh, over the last twenty some years than any other state in the country. And so when you lose population, when you lose your talent, when you lose that intellectual capital, it creates a ripple effect throughout the state. Um, and that's hard to overcome. So how do you begin to slow that down? And so the Smith Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative was really created off of this idea that if we use our intellectual and social capital as a WVU and we kind of, a, you know, to attack this idea of how do we bring the best and brightest to track them here, you know, inward migration, and then plug the bathtub to keep our best and brightest. And so we do that in really two ways. Um, so we focus on our youth initiatives and we have great uh, youth programs like the Science um, Adventure School, where we try to have every sixth grade kid go through um, an, an orientation program kind of in the middle school uh, using STEM science standards and connecting them to nature and connecting them to the beauty of our state. And if we can do that, and then we can keep them here for college. Um, and then that's where the outdoor economy part comes in, is that if we create access and open up um, the great outdoors to um to both visitors, West Virginians by choice, and West Virginians by birth, um, we we know that the way that other states have done this, that we can keep our best and brightest and attract the best and brightest. And you talked about it. You know, you go to a trailhead today in some of these thriving areas. I mean, they're packed. Um, you know, you have to be there by 10 in the morning to get a spot. And so how do we kind of ignite um, that within our state to be a driver? So where people are thinking about where do they want to move? Where do they want to live? Where do they want to kind of set roots? Um, West Virginia becomes part of that conversation um, as a desirable place to work, live and play. And I really fundamentally believe that the data is pointing in that direction. And I'll give you a very specific um, uh, point. Uh, the University of Utah uh, did a study and they looked at uh, the largest, uh, the fastest growing industry in, uh, in the Utah right now is the tech sector. And they asked tech workers, they said, you know, why are you coming here? And they, it was 79% of tech workers who are new to the state said access to outdoor recreation and public lands was their number one reason. 82% of Utahans who are returning, so they're coming back home, said access to outdoor recreation and public lands was number one, and number two was family. And so we know that it can drive and retain talent. And that's what we're all, that's what we're really trying to accomplish here. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. 
Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash school. It, it feels as though the reviving interest in outdoor activity is very much linked to the very rapid move to remote work. I know in West Virginia, uh, they're one of the efforts where local communities are providing incentives, financial incentives even, for remote workers, knowledge workers, to move to the state. So these two huge trends seem to be working together. And I'm guessing that one of the things about remote work, not only that you can be anywhere to do it, but also you have flexibility in your schedule so you can do things in the daylight. So those things seem to really be working together. So is part of what you're doing trying to connect with remote workers and um, particularly encourage them to, to bring their talent to West Virginia? Yeah, so that's part of one of the programs under the the Smith um, the uh, Smith OEDC, and we partnered with uh, the state and particularly this, the tourism office uh, to do this. So we're building, you know, we we built out a remote worker initiative, and we connected it uh, to our great or one of our greatest assets, and that's outdoor recreation. And so what we're what this we kind of started developing this, which many people don't know, kind of pre-COVID, before it really took off, um, and remote work became part of almost commonplace. And it goes back to again, talented people have choice; they have you know mobility and and place and career. And so, how do we make that choice, West Virginia? So we you know benchmarked. Um, a lot of other programs. We looked at uh, the other ones that are out there and we said, well, what do we have that differentiates us? So what's valuable, rare, and hard to imitate? And we felt like that was our outdoor activities. And so we coupled the outdoor activities um, on several different ways with this idea of remote working. And then we incentivize them to come here. And as they come here, we also are leaning into some of the things that we talked about earlier, this idea of sense of community. So that's part of our program. So how do we create a sense of community within what we call our senders um, and connect them to each other and then connect them to the community in which they live? We also want to give them a sense of purpose as well, recognizing that we're not um, a perfect state. So how can we help them, you know, use their talent um, to volunteer or a sense of purpose in the outdoors to really allow them to engage in outdoor activities that they've always wanted to um, or do it daily or weekly that they've never had a chance to because they've had to be at a, in a certain location because of their jobs. Um, and then again, continuing to connect them to the outdoors. So we're doing intentional programming around outdoor activities in order to, um, again, uh, allow them to create that sense of, of well-being um, about who they are and what they're doing. And it goes back to some of the work that was done pretty early on about like workplace satisfaction, like this idea of, of, of autonomy um, you know, choice. So we're giving, so people have choice. So they're choosing to live here. Um, so that's huge, right? Um, mastery. Yes. That's, 
that's really about this idea of, you know, from a workplace is, am I continuing to be challenged in the, in the work that I do? Am I always trying to get better? And then there's, there's, you know, we can look at kind of that meaningful work that we do. Is there meaning behind it? But also the people that we do it with. And those are important components of that work satisfaction um, approach. So we're just really trying to take that and say, well, come here. We're going to give you a sense of you have the autonomy. We're going to connect you to good people. And hopefully we can give you meaning in your life and, and in the work that you do. Um, but we just want you to do it here in West Virginia. Well, when I look at some of the um, images that that your site has um, shown and other things I've I've seen in part of the effort to recruit people to move to West Virginia, a lot of it is on very active sports like kayaking and hiking and mountain climbing and all kinds of things like that. What about possibly older workers who may be more into something? softer like gardening is gardening something that you're um focusing on at all in the the context of uh the brand of west virginia yeah so you know that's a a really good question and we haven't quite got there you know our office is two years old um we received the gift within the first six months of of our office so we've been really you know moving at lightning speed Um, and that gift was 25 million yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, if, 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 um, let me just talk about that a little bit. Um, yes, please. That's amazing. It, it really is. So pretty early on um, in being here, we knew we had a good idea of what, um, of how do we leverage the outdoor economy? How do we make West Virginia, you know, one of the most desirable places to work, live and play? And so we really were trying to find some traction in this. We did hear, um, we heard Brad Smith um, talk, um, and he mentioned the idea of Tulsa Remote. And that really laid the foundation of like, okay, what's a remote worker? What does that look like? And we started really diving into what would a program look like here? Um, we actually, and I think this is an important part of the story too, is we, we actually presented the idea, um, they love the outdoor economy, not to Brad and Elise, but to, to a pretty prominent individual, um, who had been doing economic development work at a very high level for a long time and said, again, this is pre COVID said, Hey, I'm not sure about this remote worker thing. Who's going to pay for it? How are companies going to allow it? I mean, really question the whole foundation of it. And at the time, it was a pretty big gut punch, um, but it was the, the, the healthiest thing that ever happened because he, he it really questioned, do we believe in this, right? Do we want to put our, our names and, and our reputations and our energy behind this? And the ultimate answer was yes. So we reached out to Brad and said, Brad, we have an idea. We would, you know, love to run by you. Well, partway through our conversation, you know, Brad Smith was one of ranked one of the top CEOs in Silicon Valley. He's such a, a kind and smart and and um, thoughtful individual. He said, absolutely. He said, well, I love the outdoor economy. And when we got to this idea of the remote worker program, he said, how can I help? And we just said, we want to make this a premier program. Can you? you know, continue to help us iterate it. Well, like any good, 
good mentor, um, good friend, they, he challenged us, gave us lots of homework. And so he would ask us to go look at, you know, various other programs or other ideas um, and, and keep on pressure testing what our assumptions were. And so through that process, we we created a great friendship, great trust with, with both Brad and Elise. And within six months, um, he said, you have me we're in. Here's the interesting piece is a lot of people are like, how did you do that so quickly? And remember, you know, Silicon Valley is, is built off this idea of you find good people or great people with good ideas and you help them um, bring those good ideas to life. And then they become great. And and they're willing, they have a tolerance for, for, mis for mistakes which they just call, you know, it's just part of the learning process. You hear people like John Chambers talk about, I want to know what people's failures are because then I get to see how they rebound, how they grow, what did they learn? And Brad and Elise does this, did the same thing with us. They're like, look, we're not going to be perfect, but let's learn along the way. And uh, and that's why we were able to do it. Um, we, we're, we're capitalizing on that trend. The program is going unbelievably well. We had over 10,000 applications for the first 50 spots. Um, and wow. we actually had to cut off applications because um, we just couldn't handle anymore. Uh, and so, you know, we know that we're, we're tapping into something. Um, and here's the thing is as a team, and this is what I, I just love about the people I work with, they solved a yes. They're problem solvers. They we know that we can continue to refine and get better, get more efficient, um, and that's what we try to do every single day as a program is to grow and learn and become better. Well, it's a fascinating program, and I bet we have listeners who are thinking, "Oh, this guy has such a fun job." It really is. Um, just exciting to hear you talk because I know you love what you're doing and you're doing such interesting things. But let me ask, uh, for people who are out there wondering about careers related to the outdoor economy or recreation or um, how the idea of outdoor activity is, is, is changing and getting linked to uh, well-being, for people who are interested in all that, are there career opportunities out there for people who want a job or maybe want to create a business? Is, is yeah. this a trend much bigger than West Virginia and Utah? <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, this is what I tell people first and foremost. And, and I'm going to, you know, I remember I was, uh, I was a faculty member for a long, long time is, you know, I, I, it was one of the greatest blessings is to be able to work with students, you know, through kind of their areas of study and as they thought about career. And I used to always tell students, I was like, follow your passion. If you really follow your passion and you stick to it, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if you follow it, you'll find a way to make a career out of it and you'll be better for it. Um, and so I think that's the starting point with anybody, especially even in the outdoors is what do you really love? Like what really drives you? What about the outdoors? Um, you know, and I also tell people don't be stuck in one way of thinking. If you look at, if we really broke down my career journey, there's several different phases and kind of chapters, if you will, of it. And that's, that's been, you know, one of the greatest uh, gifts that I've had. So with that being said, 
Um, we, we see the growth trajectory for the outdoors. Um, it's continuing to grow from an economic and from a job standpoint. I mean, as, you know, visitation to these these public spaces continue to grow um, as we know that the new trends are emerging like glamping is becoming a really really popular um, you know they're expecting that that to grow by um, I think it, I think it was something like a billion dollars over the next several years wow so now we, is that all over the country glamping yeah, so glamping, is, or is that just yeah limited? yeah it's like it's like really creature comfort camping um you know yeah. and I'll be a little cynical for just a few moments, but I, I hope it's a positive spin on it, is that for the longest time, the outdoors was, was cut off from the population, from the masses. From the, from and it was done on several ways. First, like you know, via location, right? Some of these areas were away from our vertical cities. Um, also, some of the 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 skill sets needed to engage in some of the outdoor activities was pretty high. And then and then there was a pretty um, significant um, uh, expense associated with some of this gear. Um, and but what we're seeing is this remarkable, remarkable push by the industry, um, by the the people in the industry that are trying to lower the barrier of entry. We're really starting to think about fran- family friendly. We're really thinking about you know increasing um, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, into the outdoors. We're thinking about how do we lower the barriers of entry, both from a financial and from a social and from a access standpoint. And so I think that's where the opportunity is. I mean, we've only really leveraged the outdoors for really a small portion of the population. And I think what we are seeing um, through COVID is that's where people were going. And I think they found the value of it. So I think we are going to continue to see opportunities, both um, both for personal but career-wise. I mean, there are ways in which we haven't even thought of today. And that's where we need young people and parents and others to say, yeah, you can make a good, vibrant and, and healthy career um, and meaningful work out of this. How do you do it? I mean, over the last four or five years, we're starting to see, you know, degrees pop up, academic programs focused on the outdoor business side of it. Um, We hadn't really seen that before. Well, it's so exciting. And I think what you've explained is that there are opportunities out there, whether you're a student and you're looking at possible things to study or you want to change careers, there are business opportunities, and it's happening all over the country, right? Absolutely. I mean, like if you're a marketing student and you like to play outside, there are companies out there that, you know, outdoor companies that need people who who are, you know, for the marketing department. Um, engineers. I mean, all these products get engineered, you know, design students. So, I mean, we could keep going on and on about the different verticals that are in this career. It's just not the traditional park ranger. Even though it's a great career, um, there's so many different ways in which we can can, um, engage and you can have a, a, a meaningful work. Well, thank you, Danny. I think we're out of time, sadly. This has been so much fun, but I think that's a perfect place to leave this. This is a opens all kinds of new career 
possibilities. And I really appreciate your uh, coming here today and explaining it all and helping us get excited about what the options are. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Today, we've been talking with Danny Twilley about how outdoor leisure activities can support your health and your career. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that if you find yourself feeling stuck at work, one of the best ways to spark new energy is to go outside and take a walk. Thanks for listening to Jazzed About Work, and if you like the show, please tell your friends. Thank you.